When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Life's busy. Take this deck. There's heaps to do on it. Like, um, polishing off this wine. That's tough. Life's pretty good with a Trex deck. Composite decking with no hard maintenance. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. Time on with Sam Hargraves on SEN. The futures of Luke Parker, Sean Burgoyne and the Brownlow medal are all locked in and some of the biggest wigs in sport have been on the station today. We'll hear everything that they had on their mind and said to you throughout the course of the afternoon and, of course, time on's your say on the news of the day. Yes, indeed. Welcome to Time On. Uh, before we get into tonight's show, just another cracking edition of the conversations that could. Really important show, really touching a, a lot of people at the moment. Brilliantly done by Dermot Brereton. Uh, the guest tonight was Sean Ralph-Smith, a former teammate of his, and also uh, of the late, great Danny Frawley. It would have been Spud's birthday today, uh, and his Spud's birthday today, and uh, Sean Ralph-Smith, uh, part of the construction and heading up the management uh, of the Danny Frawley Centre at RSEA Park. So, um, that was um, that must listen and if you didn't get a chance to hear it sen.com.au to hear the full podcast and of course unfortunately uh, tomorrow marks um, the anniversary of Spud's tragic death and uh, we'll talk more about that tomorrow as well but brilliantly done from Dermot Burton and if you did miss it sen.com.au to hear the full podcast the conversations that could uh, heaps to get through today not a massive day from a news point of view nothing earth shattering but there is still plenty happening. So this is the place for you to uh, have your two bobs worth on anything that occurred today, your say on the news of the day. That's the time on promise. one uh, is the number, 0433981116 off the temper text. Temper, a mattress like no other. So chime in whenever you feel on whatever you feel like. If something's put a bee in your bonnet, you need to get something off your chest. Uh, if something's got you all warm and fuzzy, whatever it might be, um, give us a call. Uh, thank you for joining me, wherever you're joining me from, uh, however you're joining me, uh, right around the country on the SEN app, uh, 1629 SENSA and 1116 SEN uh, in Melbourne. It's still tough times uh, in Victoria, although good news for regional Victoria today. Restrictions are going to ease um, around the regional part of the state from 11.59 tomorrow night, um, which whilst I'm sure everyone in metropolitan Melbourne is very happy for those in the regional areas, except for Shepparton, of course, but um, it's, it still just makes it even a little bit tougher when you're looking at other states and how they're going through it. Now you don't even have to look further than your own state to see people just with a little bit easier living conditions. So, uh, again, thanks to anyone who got a test today and anyone that got a vaccine today. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. And if you are really struggling at the moment, you are finding uh, things difficult. Uh, 13, 11, 14, uh, Lifeline, uh, Beyond Blue, um, Men's Helpline, all those uh, there as well. 
um, to, to be able to help you out if you are needing it. It is not easy at the moment, and I'm thinking of you, and I'm here for you if um, you're finding today just a little bit tougher uh, than you normally would. One three hundred seven three six seven three six. Let's start with Luke Parker. So a little conjecture. I mean, the story had been bubbling away for a while that uh, they were a fair way apart. Luke Parker's management and the Sydney Swans on a new contract for him, but uh, they did announce today that he had put Penn to a four-year deal, committing to the end of the 2025 season. He won the Bob Skilton medal for the third time this year, 2014-2017. So he's still at the peak of his powers, Luke Parker. 28-year-old, he's played 235 games, pick 40 in the 2010 draft. That's a steal, isn't it, now, when you look back at Luke Parker's career. Uh, 2012 Premiership player as well. He's played in 19 finals with the Swans and he is, of course, their co-captain. And I don't know if you caught wind of this today, but All-Australian Tommy Papley was on SEN track today with uh, Miles Fitzner um, and Dave Taggart. Just chiming in, he's got a love for horse racing as well. And uh, they asked him about that and he said, never in doubt. He said, great captain, great bloke, never in doubt. Uh, didn't dwell too long on it, uh, but was very confident um, of, of what was going to take place. Luke Parker himself spoke today uh, about the re-signing. Yeah, it's an honour honor to be here for another f- four years. Um, the, the, the club to be able to show some faith in me. And, and what I do is is incredible. I can't thank them enough. Um, I'm really excited about what the future looks like. Um, I think we've got a great group going forward. We've taken some big steps this year it was, a, it was a special year and um, can't wait to continue to drive the group. Yeah, he's a very, very good football person is Luke Parker and he's a gun player uh, as well. I'm, I'm wondering, would he fit into the category of those who might just be a little underrated? When you look at uh, contested ball numbers, clearance numbers over the last sort of, uh, when was when did he get drafted? Did I say 2010? So over the last sort of 10 or 11 years, but have a look back to it, goal-kicking mids. I think he sits number three over the last few years. I can't remember the exact time, but for I think he's kicked the third most goals out of midfielders over a certain period of time. I reckon I saw that somewhere. Might have been the Swamp Thing on Twitter. All the best stats come from him, so I'm just going to put it down to him, even if it wasn't. Uh, Sean Burgoyne, so we, we would have assumed that every one of the 18 clubs, the moment that Sean Burgoyne said, uh, I'm going to finish up... Um, I'm going to put an end to my extraordinarily good career um, as a player and look to see what's next. Uh, I reckon every one of the 18 clubs would have been hunting him for a role in some capacity at their footy club. So um, he did speak to SEN. I uh, believe he was on with uh, Gary and Tim. Um, was he on with Gary and Tim? He was on with Gary and Tim earlier today, uh, I reckon. But I, I think he was on SEN SA uh, recently um, as well. I reckon we're going to double-check that. Uh, I thought he was on uh, with the Brecky boys this morning uh, or yesterday speaking about his future, but uh, did talk about the fact that the family were keen to move back to South Australia. We're uh, trying to get back into SA. (laughs) So my family are pretty keen to move back to South Australia and um, just reconnect with our families and... And then and start life after life after footy back there, and um, we're in the process of doing that now. That was Sean Burgoyne uh, speaking on uh, Gary and Tim this morning. Uh, the label on that one said, uh, "Oh yeah, no, I just misread it." Yep, no, it was Gary and Tim this morning. That was me, not you, Julio. <laughs> uh, SEN.com.au to hear that full podcast. By the way, uh, the president of Port Adelaide, David Kosh, was on with Dwayne today, and this was just before the announcement was made. And Dwayne asked him uh, about Sean Burgoyne. And have you got a spot for Sean Burgoyne? I hear he's returning to SA. You wouldn't let him go to the Crows, would you? Oh, I could probably neither confirm or deny, but um, 
um, you'll know pretty soon. Put it that way. <laughs> You'd like to think that was a straight bat from Koshy, but every from that the moment that he said that, I think everybody knew that it was definitely going to be Port Adelaide. <laughs> he did have, he did show the straight bat, but he didn't pick the line of that at all, and that's uh, taken an edge and, <laughs> and he's been claimed. Uh, in about second slip, I reckon, from Koshy. But uh, the announcement came not too far, not too long after that. And Port Adelaide, very proud to say that Sean Burgoyne was returning to Port Adelaide to take up a multifaceted off-field role, which includes play development, mentoring, corporate corporate and government relations and the club's industry-leading Aboriginal programs. Uh, his role will begin on November 1st. Port Adelaide CEO Matthew Richardson said the club was delighted to welcome Burgoyne and his family back to the club. Sean will play an important role within our footy department. Part of his role will be in footy operations where Sean will assist with list management and providing mentoring and leadership for our entire playing group. Through a community liaison role, Sean will also play an important role with key stakeholders, including club commercial partners and government relations. And we look forward to having Sean as our Indigenous liaison officer and involved in our industry-leading Aboriginal programs, including the Santos Aboriginal Power Cup. So uh, congratulations to the Power and to, to Sean Burgoyne uh, heading back home and, and taking up a, an important role um, with the Port Adelaide Footy Club. Uh, Koshy also spoke to Dwayne today and just gave his view on what his expectations were in terms of a flag for Port Adelaide. Yeah, and that's the expectation of of our members um, and our supporters and my expectation and, and the playing group. But I think it's a, a reflection how we've matured as an organisation that we're not scared of that expectation anymore. Um, I think in the... The earlier, I think, think Ken and myself and uh, Chris Davies and the leadership group of the club, I think we've all matured in uh, in our roles at the organisation. And uh, that maturity is all about embracing expectation. Uh, it's all about sort of saying, uh, dealing with, with pressure as a privilege rather than something to be feared. And... Uh, and there's a real belief. David Kosh with Dwayne earlier today on Dwayne's World, SEN.com.au for the full chat, of course. Get the podcast. The AFL have confirmed the grand final medal presenters today. So John Warsfold, Andrew Embley will present the Jock McHale and the Norm Smith medals uh, at this year's grand final. Obviously, uh, John Warsfold uh, coached uh, West Coast Premiership back in 2005, uh, sorry, 2006, and Andrew Emley was a Norm Smith medalist, so um, uh, sensational appointments there, um, and, and nice a nice touch given the location um, of this year's grand final being in Perth as well. So the Brownlow medal, what were we going to do, we thought? What are we going to have to talk about in the lead-up uh, to next weekend when there's no footy at all, there's going to be the pre-grand final bye, uh, what was going to be top of the agenda. So it will be the Brownlow medal um, and it will be on a Sunday night for the first time that I can remember. Um, the 2021 Brownlow medal count will start at 7.30pm. Um, that will be Eastern Standard Time, 5.30pm in Perth. Uh, be broadcast on seven networks. So the, the location of the players will just be where they're at. So for those that are attending uh, uh, WA uh, or in Perth for the grand final, those teams will be there along with the, uh, the the Dockers and the Eagles and then they'll figure out where everybody else can participate from around the country. Similar to last year where it was a, a satellite event, different locations in the different states. Uh, so that will be next week, Sunday, 
the Brownlow medal on. So one three hundred seven three six seven three six zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen off the temper text. Temporary mattress like no other. Um, the great Jim Steins, the Jim Steins Community Leadership Award. This grows in prestige every single year. Um, and this year's nominees, Travis Boak from Port Adelaide, George Rankin, Georgie Rankin from Geelong, Jordan Ruffhead from Collingwood, and Nicholas Stevens from Carlton. So it's the 10th occasion that the Jim Steins Community Leadership Award will be presented to an AFL or an AFLW player who best demonstrated the values of the late Melbourne Football Club president and player Jim Steins in their commitment to the community, helping others, making a difference in the way they played and represented the game on field. So Travis Boak... Um, who understands the hardship and impact cancer can have on a family, lost his father, Roger, to cancer in 2005. So he's dedicated his time as an ambassador for the Childhood Cancer Association to support individuals and the families affected by cancer in the last 11 years. Georgie Rankin uh, is passionate about creating positive environments for people to thrive in. The 23-year-old dedicates her time across a number of Geelong Cats initiatives, particularly the inclusion and multicultural space. Jordan Ruffhead has become a powerful advocate and leader within the community across Key four key focus areas, including LGBTIQA plus community, climate action, youth homelessness, and women's sports. Uh, and Nicola Stevens, um, who you all would see the the ribbon that she wears in her hair. Her mother um, has suffered from early onset dementia, and that was a way that Nicola used to be able to get her mum used to be able to recognise where she was on the field uh, by the ribbon that she wore in her hair. Um, Nicola Stevens understands the impact dementia can have on families and individuals caring for her mother and is an ambassador for Dementia Australia. So congratulations to all those fine people um, for that nomination. Uh, it's something a little bit extra special. Um, as just, you know, the contribution that players generally make and, and a lot of the players do great work in the community. It's part of, um, you know, what they do for their clubs, but these are the players that go above and beyond uh, in those spaces and, and it's a fantastic award to recognise uh, their contributions. one three hundred seven three six seven three six zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. So Matty Pavlich has been on Sports Day today. He's got an idea about how the grand final should roll out from here. I'm going to play that for you next. Lockie Neal's dad has... Um, based on the reaction of some people and some sections um, and some of the things that Lockie and his partner are experiencing online, um, has been compelled to jump on radio today and speak about um, the Lockie Neal situation and the potential of him asking for a trade from Brisbane back to Fremantle, um, such as uh, been the response that he's felt he needs to defend his son and his partner which is a shame when things get to that point. But uh, I'll play what he had to say to ABC today. Dane Zorko spoke to Channel 7 about the Lockie Neal situation. And then Simon Garlick uh, was on Sports Day WA, uh, the Frio footy boss, um, Fremantle CEO. Uh, and we'll hear his latest take on uh, Lockie Neal. Adam Chera as well, he addressed. There's some trade news that Sam Edmund was able to convey to us today. And there's a few other things making news as well. And Adam Trelaw's wife, Kim Revellian, uh, has spoken today as well about the scrutiny that he's been put under after just one bad game uh, against the Lions on the weekend. So there's that and a heap more coming your way. Sports... Uh Almost said sports. <laughs> Time on is your say on the news of the day. one three hundred seven three six seven three six to get yourself involved. Uh, one three hundred seven three six seven three six the number to get yourself involved. Your say on the news of the day. Time on. Zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen off the temper text. Temper mattress like no other. So we had a lot of conversation and debate last night in regards to 
this year's grand final being a twilight game in Perth, which would mean a night grand final in uh, the eastern seaboard states, so Queensland, New South Wales, uh, Tassie, Victoria as well, um, and obviously South Australia to uh, half an hour difference on that as well. A lot of people were pretty passionate about this last night um, on both sides, some who think that it's about time and it's the evolution of the game um, to go into a new frontier as a night, a twilight game, and others very much uh, of the belief that it should only ever be in the day. Well, Matty Pavlich has weighed in on this and a little bit of a different spin, more about what should happen with the grand final and where it should be played each year. We're speaking on Sports Day a little earlier tonight. I'm an advocate of actually taking the AFL grand final on a tour anyway. And bringing it to stadiums like Optus Stadium, Adelaide Oval, um, taking it to the SCG, uh, the Gabba, uh, we saw that happen last year. I know it's unlikely, um, and I know all the reasons, you know, commercially and economically why uh, the AFL have done the deal, but I love the idea. Like they do in the Super Bowl, yes, we're, we're different to America, I, I know that, but taking it on tour, I think, has got some real... Uh, opportunity and, and, you know, maybe every second year um, it, it goes away from the MCG. But the build-up here is going to be enormous. So uh, that was uh, Matty Pavlich, who uh, would like to see the show go on the road. Now, obviously, we know that the uh, MCC contract with the MCG is in place uh, for many, many a year and, and gets added a couple more years on top of it from what happened last year and this year. But it is an interesting... It is an interesting conversation that comes up every now and then about as stadiums around the country get bigger and better uh, and more able to handle an occasion such as the grand final, um, do we highlight our national game by taking the greatest showpiece of it on the road? Or does it have to and, and must maintain uh, the MCG? Because the MCG is the greatest stadium in the world for mine. Um, it is the mecca of football and cricket in the country, and that can be seen as a very Victorian-centric view. But there are plenty of players that have played on that last day in September or played at an Ashes Test that aren't Victorian who say it is the greatest stadium in Australia. But is that enough? Is that enough just to say, well, it should always be there? Obviously the contract, but we're just hypothesising. We're just speculating. What would that look like? taking the show on the road every fifth year, every 10th year, what would that mean? The contract's till the end of 2059. So obviously it might be a redundant conversation. But in that time, if, if, if let's just say at the end of 2059 that Brisbane, Sydney, Adelaide, Perth, maybe even Tassie, um, had stadiums just about on par with the MCG, could you see that happening? One three hundred seven three six seven three six. AK's in Brunswick. G'day, AK. Just bear with me, AK. I'm just rattling the phone around. AK, fire away. Yep, mate. I'm just regarding about Sean Burgoyne. Like, I appreciate his career at Hawthorne. I'm a Hawthorne supporter. I appreciate his career at Hawthorne. But I'm pretty disappointed in the situation that we signed him up for a one-year deal this year. Mm. And then he said that he was going to be a development coach helping Hawthorne the following year. Now, I know he's probably disappointed what's happened to Carco and, um, and uh, what's, like, I mean, Carco's moved on and that, but, like, I know he wants to go back home to Adelaide, but wasn't that a done deal at Hawthorne saying that he was going to do a one-year play and then he's going to develop as a Hawthorne Indigenous at Hawthorne? Uh, wasn't that going to... Well, clearly it wasn't, AK, if he's, if he's able to go. Um... <laughs> It clearly wasn't locked in in place. That might have been the plan at the time, but that also may have hinged on the fact that he was going to be a development coach under Clarko next year. Um, it might have been yeah, a different situation yeah. that unfolds. I, I think that in, in someone like Sean Burgoyne's case, AK, okay, 
I think that he is of an ilk and he is of a status for the Hawthorne Football Club that if he says this is what he'd like to do for him and his family to go home and, and take up a role with Port Adelaide and be able to move back to his hometown, I think we say, hey, thank you so much. We wish you all the best. We're so grateful for everything that you've given our club and you leave with our blessings, our appreciation, our, our respect um, and our admiration. Would that be fair? Yeah, I agree with that, hundred percent. But I just thought, like, if he if he said, look, oh, look, I'm just going to have one year, and then I'll I'll go back to Adelaide. Do you reckon would they give him another year contract, or would they move him on? Because the pro- the thing was that he, if you remember, if anyone remembers, was that he was going to stay and then continue at the Hawthorne board. And I understand the situation with COVID and Adelaide's a bit more frequent, and probably with family that want to go back, no dramas, but. He's going back to Port Adelaide and help Port Adelaide. You know what I mean, like that's, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, again, okay. I, I, again, I'll go back to uh, he. He deserves nothing but our respect, our admiration, yep. our appreciation, and our thank you. If they, as a family, have said, and you know, and his his partner, who's a South Australian as well, so she yeah, she enough. moves over here for the whole duration of his career, so that he can yep. do what what he was doing. Um, yep. They might have had a chat and say, look. Yeah, we, we, we had an offer from Hawthorne. We had, he would have had an offer from every single club, okay? Um, yeah. With, without doubt. Uh, and would it have been great for him to stay on at the Hawks? Absolutely. Would have loved to have, him yeah. to have stayed there. But I think you, there are certain players that reach a, 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 a status um, and a stratosphere at the club where whatever they choose to do after they've given their career to the club um, and everything they have and all their service that they have and all the moments that they have and the success that they've had at the club, I think that they deserve nothing but just thank you and we wish you all the best and we won't forget you. Yeah, yeah, it's fair enough, yeah. I understand now. No, I understand the situation, yeah. No, I just thought, I just thought like, when I heard it today, I was like, just, that he was going for Adelaide and this and that, and, but I understand, yeah, I mean, you're right. She's done right at the end. His missus came for him and she's been time and... Yeah, I don't don't know if that's the exact reason. She might have wanted to stay. I'm not, um, I don't want to paraphrase or or cast aspersions. Anyway, she may have very much wanted to stay here, but I'm just saying if they've had that conversation as a family and decided that this is what's best for them, um, I think it's, you know, we we love you and we thank you. Um, but okay, thanks, mate. It, sometimes saying goodbye is hard. Oh, I get it. Oh, I absolutely get it. Uh, John's in Greensboro. G'day, mate. Yeah, thanks, Sammy. Um, just in regards to the MCG and the grand final, and I'm just playing devil's advocate because I'm um, I'm a proud Victorian. But you know, we um, we see it all the time with contracts and players and, and clubs. They get broken. In, they get broken up all the time, and there's always you know either draft compensation or or player swaps, why can't the same thing be done with the MCG? I quite like the the idea, you know, of perhaps taking it on the road every second year and then somehow work out some sort of a compensation and, you know, perhaps some of the funds or um, other things can go towards um, the MCG. Um, yeah, I just think that, you know, the contract between AFL and the MCG seems sacred, but every other contract you can break. Yeah, well, uh, you may have a point there, John. And and I'm look, I'm I'm two things. I'm a very proud Victorian, but I'm a, I'm a big, big advocate for uh, Australia for Aussie rules football to be exactly that to be the AFL to be a game that 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 is the biggest game in the country to to not just be you know 
Victoria, South Australia, Western Australia, and to not always be all about Victoria. Um, I, I want us to succeed in New South Wales. I want us to succeed in Queensland. I want Tassie to get a team. I want, you know, if, if Northern Territory could have a team, then so be it. I, I want it to be the national sport. And I think that this is a great way to do that. So I, without firmly placing my chips in one camp or another, I have really enjoyed... I enjoyed last year just seeing it in Brisbane. I'll enjoy this year seeing it in Perth. And if every now and then that can happen where, you know, the footy fans who are just as important in the other states as they are in Victoria get the chance to see the greatest event of the Australian sporting calendar in my mind, then I don't have a problem with that. And I wouldn't mind seeing it. Now, we're just speculating, of course, because that contract's in place and you know, it, it, it would take something almighty for the MCC to, to ever let that be broken. Um, but yeah, there is something, I think, that appeals to me about Australia's, what I want to be Australia's game, actually being uh, Australia's game, and that might be a small part of it. Uh, but it's interesting. There'll be some players... I, I've spoken to plenty of players in other, in other states who are very proud of their own state and where they're from, parochial, but they say, no, no, you can't take it away from the MCG. It's the greatest stadium uh, on the planet. So I think it's also incumbent, if that was ever to happen, that the other stadiums need to be of a similar uh, sort of standard, yeah, if that makes sense. Uh, Tim's in Brisbane. G'day, Tim. Hey, Sammy. How are you? Uh, couldn't be better. Thank you, mate. Good, 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 mate. Uh, look, I'm a massive line supporter, mate, and I just wanted to have a quick chat to you about Joe Danaher. I, I was very sceptical about what the Lions were getting into at the start of the year, and he proved me wrong to a certain extent. So credit to him for the season that he had. Um, there was a number of things that were raised from the Lions game against the Bulldogs last Saturday night that sort of affected the outcome of the game or had potentially had a, an effect in the in the outcome. The one that I don't think has been mentioned was that Joe Danaher took a mark in the forward pocket quite late in the last quarter, um, it was on the wrong side for him as a left footer. The bloke doesn't kick a drop punt from straight in front, but he chose to kick a drop punt and it didn't score. I don't know if you remember the incident at all. I just find it staggering for a guy who's had so many troubles with his goal kicking. Um, he's tried his best to get on top of them. He, he really does rely on the snap around the body when he's almost directly in front. But he didn't go for the check side or the banana and at least register something. Do you, do you remember the incident at all? Geez, I'm, I'm, I'm drawing blank on it. Um, and I'll have to go back and have a look at it, Tim. And it's given that the amount of moments that there were in the last five and a half minutes alone, I'm, my brain, um, as I've proven many times on this show, it's got a, it's got a retention capacity limit. And I might have just, it might have just not stuck in there with me, but I will go back and have a look so I know what, you, what you're talking about. But so you're, yeah. so you're, you, so your hope for, for Joe next year, and I, we spoke, I spoke about this last night where I said if you look at when players go to a club, very rarely, I, I, I think that if you, and I've, got, and I've got no numbers to back this up, which I normally like to have, but my belief would be, my hunch would be that if you went and looked at big recruits who have gone from one club to another, I reckon we might find that generally their second year at the club is better than their first. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree to an extent with that. And look, I think the thing that we, we didn't really get with Danaher is at the start of the season, McStay wasn't fit. Mm. Um, so Danaher was sort of playing as that second forward and, and not really getting a chance to get up the ground. 
I think when McStay and Hipwood and Danaher were all in the team at the same time, I think that's when Joe played his best. He did pinch hit in the ruck as that second ruckman, and, and he's yep. really effective when he's up the ground and around the ball. Yep. Um, and then towards the end of the year when Hipwood wasn't there, he, he didn't really get that chance to do that. So I really do hope that obviously Hitwood gets back and, and can get back out on the park and, and obviously McStay should be a pretty much a walk-up start next year with what happened towards the end of this season. But if, if Danaher can spend that sort of 20% of time up the ground in the ruck and, and really using his aerobic capacity, I think he's a really good buy for the club. And I just think this year things may not have panned out as well as, as what they potentially could have. But mate, if you do get a chance to go back and have a look at that shot at goal, I was sitting behind the goals down that end and he led into that pocket, and when he was lining up with a straight ball, I'm like, no, nah, you can't be doing this, mate. You you can't kick a drop punt from straight in front. You're not going to slot it from there. And sure enough, it slid across the face and went out of bounds on the full, and um, yeah, we lose by a point, and unfortunately, uh, we have to wait till next year. Tim, I think you've absolutely nailed it on where Joe plays his best footy, and yep, the goal kicking has been an issue, so um, I think you're spot on, uh, and, and really um, don't have much more to add, because I wholeheartedly agree. I think for all those who want Joe Danaher to be that quintessential stay-at-home, um, you know, bullying key forward, I just don't think that's what he is. And, and Brisbane are the best team in the competition, in my humble opinion, at, at identifying what you're best at and, and making sure that that's how they deploy you. And Jared Lyons is a great example of that. Uh, and maybe Joe Danaher is going to be another one. Uh, great call, mate, and I appreciate it. Keep them coming. one three hundred seven three six seven three six zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. The temper text, temper mattress, like no other. Lockie Neal, a little bit of an update there. Adam Chera as well, uh, and Nick Hockley, the Cricket Australia CEO, spoke to Jared Waitley today. I'll bring you some of that as well. Time on your say on the news of the day. I guess the whole. The disappointing thing for us was that it, it hit the media and then it's 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 sort of gone into meltdown over the last couple of days and and probably certain sections of the footy media have have had strong opinions about it um, but they're they're five steps ahead of reality. Um, the reality is it's purely a um, a discussion that was sort of had internally and so we're really disappointed the way it's come out in the media because. This was purely just going to be a, um, and he hadn't had a chance to talk to Brisbane until it, and it, and it, and it broke, unfortunately. And so, but they've been terrific, absolutely terrific, and, and just gone into support mode. So, uh, he, he just was able to have a chat with them yesterday. Um, but where it sits at the moment, there is no request for a trade on the table, and they just need to work through some stuff. Yeah. Um, we're going to head up there in the next uh, couple of days and and just spend some family time with them because that, right now they just need a bit of support because um, it's been a little bit on the bordering on a sort of horrific. The I've got paparazzi sort of following them around and camped outside of the house and and it, this was not not how it should have been. It should have been a nice quiet sort of conversation with with Brisbane and then and then through his management group to sort of make the right decision. And if a request was to come, well, then fair enough. Then it becomes, you know, a headline. But it's it's far from that at this stage. That's Lockie Neal's dad, Robbie Neal, speaking to the ABC um, about what he described as the horrific reaction uh, to uh, the speculation that Lockie Neal may ask for a trade back to Fremantle and um, just, just gave a, a really important view and shed a, a family's perspective uh, on the story so far or what he describes as a story that's five steps ahead of the actual reality of where they're at. At the moment, they're considering, they're, they're, they're discussing 
uh, and that's where things are at. And to have paparazzi camped out the front of the house, they're, apparently they're copying a fair bit of social media vomit um, as well. That's all pretty disappointing. I wonder whether we overreact quite substantially when these kind of things happen and, um, you know, talks of betrayal and letting people down and all that kind of stuff. People in the workforce have these conversations all the time. There's couples having a conversation right now saying, okay, we're about to have our first kid. What support do we have around us? What support do we need? Are we living in the right place for us to be able to do this? Uh, it's, it's quite scary. There's the unknown. It's not something you've ever done before. So do we have everything here that we need? What are our preferences? Um, everyone who I know that has had kids say, it's the most important thing that you ever do. It's the biggest thing in your life. Everything else pales into, in, into insignificance from this because it's a life that you're creating. Maybe we lose a little bit of that when we have these kind of chats. Footy's mobile now. Yep, they got in for a five-year contract. The, the conversation might happen where he says, look, for the best, what we think is best for our family, we might want to head home. Can we facilitate that so that nobody loses um, and we can all get something out of this? That's mature conversations. That's what mature football clubs do. Yeah, you'd be disappointed, but you, you understand. And then you go about making sure that you don't completely lose out in all of this. Um, and if you can manufacture that, then it all gets done. But, geez, there's a lot of drama and over-dramatisation of all of this, I reckon, that's going on. Uh, Dane Zorko was pretty level-headed when he was asked about it today. I've spoken to Lockyer, uh, Lockyer earlier on in the day and he just said that he hasn't formally requested a trade. Him and uh, his family just need a little bit of time to work out what's best for them next. For whatever means, our trade does happen. Um, I'm sure we'll get something great in return and uh, our younger guys will get an opportunity. That was Dane Zorko, uh, Brisbane Lions captain, speaking to Channel 7. Um, Simon Garlick is the uh, Frio CEO, and he spoke to Sports Day WA um, in regards to the Lockie Neal situation. Yeah, it's, I think it's really important to note, Hayes, at this point that no request to trade has been made as yet. Obviously, you know, there's been reports over the last couple of days that, that Lockie and his wife are, are currently considering some really important decisions regarding their future. Um, so that's something that they've got to work through themselves. And with that in mind, and with due respect to all the parties, you know, we're loath to make any really detailed comment at this point in relation to that. Clearly, you know, if it were to occur, and it's hypothetical at this stage, then it, it's a really exciting prospect based on the, the player he is and, and what, he's, you know, what he's achieved so far within the game. But that's what it is at the moment in reality is that hypothetical situation. Uh, he also uh, spoke about whether Lockie Neal fits their list profile. Yeah, it's an interesting thought. Again, Hayes, uh, I mean, the reality is you, you, if you pull it apart um, forensically, you know, I think it's it's well regarded that we've got um, some strong coverage in that area of inside mids. Um, you know, but the reality is also a player of that ilk and that quality is clearly something that you'd be pretty enthusiastic to look at closely. Um, I think about some of the, the games that are occurring this weekend when you look at the likes of, you know, Melbourne, um, the Dogs who really topped up in the area of midfield depth over the last 12 months, um, Port again, just have numerous players coming through in that area. So, you know, like any any club, we've got areas that we've got strong coverage in. The back half, we think, you know, injury pen, pending is another area where we're well covered. But 
having depth in midfield has been shown um, to be a bit of a, a premiership trait for clubs in the past. So that's certainly something that we consider closely. And what's he worth? Well, like anything, um, I think, Cal, when you're looking at these types of things, you've got to be really objective about it all. And, you know, our members expect us to be pretty pragmatic about these sort of things. So um, regardless of who the player is, um, whether it's potentially someone coming in or by the same token with the player departing, we've got to make decisions that are really objective in relation to um, the long term. We're clearly, and I think, you know, been on the record strongly, is been hard at the draft in the last few years in particular and think we've got a core of young talent and um, we want to make sure we set ourselves for a long tilt at being competitive rather than, um, you know, something that might get us there for a few years but then drop off again. Simon Garlic speaking to Sports Day WA uh, in regards to Lockie Neal. Uh, Greg's in Blackburn. Hello, mate. G'day, Sam. How are you going, buddy? I'm really well. Thanks for calling. Uh, yeah, sorry I asked how you're going. Um, in regards to Lockie Neal, behind every great man is a magnificent woman. And with these times and their first baby, they've just got to suck it up. If he wants his wife, his wife wants to go back to Perth for whatever reason for the family, let him go. He's been a great, you know, at, you know, great um, for Brisbane. However... They just got to suck it up, mate. I mean, and and the vitriol around, you know, he's dudding them. And Caroline Wilson, I'm really disappointed in, you know, with her her view on it. And I really like Caro, but um, let him go. I mean, it's family. You know, they're tough times. First baby, family always comes first, mate. Yeah, I. I... <laughs> I'm a bit like you. I look at the circumstances around it and go, well, he's from South Australia. His family are there. Her family's over in WA. So they're, they're up in Brizzy. And uh, whilst the clubs are great in giving as much support as they possibly can, um, I don't know whether the clubs employ um, nannies uh, or stand in, you know, family support. It's, it's, and I don't, that's not an expectation that I think you'd, you'd have on them. But there is a lot that goes into this. And I've never had kids, but everyone I speak to about it, it takes a village. Very, very hard to do on your own. Uh, and, and, and people sometimes need help. And and these guys are human beings at the end of the day. I, I agree with you, Greg. And, and on the flip side of that, I don't want to see the lions left high and dry. You don't want to see them, you know, um, I suppose, come off second best. It's not the end of the world, as you heard Dane Zorko. Like they were seven and zero without him this year. They were eight and nine with him. Um, they've got young midfielders that can step up, and then they might be able to. They might get a strong draft hand. You never know; they might unearth the next Brownlow medalist at the club or anything like that. I just sometimes I think we lose track of the the human side of this. Um, and Steve, off the text, Neil deserves everything he gets. To be honest, his word means zero. Well, Steve, I'm sure that when he signed his five year deal, he had every intention of honouring it. But life happens. And people have these conversations every day with their workplaces. There's not a HR person listening right now that goes, yeah, what's the big deal about that conversation? I've had, I've had 10 of them this week. Or, you know, you know, it's, yeah, I just don't think it's as cut and dried as, as all that. And I think we can sometimes lose the human element that's involved in this um, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 736 Bit on Adam Trelaw. Gary Pert has spoken to Jared today. I'll try to get to that. Chris Scott, we haven't got to yet. And Nick Hockley as well. Um, if you missed any of those chats, uh, Chris Scott was a press conference, so that'll be on the Geelong's website. But Gary Pert spoke to Jared Waitley today. Nick Hockley spoke to Jared Waitley. Um, I want to try and play a bit of uh, Adam Trelaw's partner, Kim Revallian, uh, as well. Uh, Dean in Burwood, stay right there. I'll get to your call on the other side of this. 
Time on, SEN. It's absolutely, obviously for Adam, it's a lot harder, him being away from his daughter, and it's just an emotional rollercoaster for him. I guess he's lucky he has the distraction of footy, but even, you know, football, you could have a good game or a bad game, and that, that affects you, so he's got to kind of deal with life and footy at the same time. We've been on the phone, we're so lucky we've got FaceTime and technology these days that he almost sees it five times a day through the phone. So hopefully we can all reunite um, depending on this COVID situation. So we are planning that part right now. <laughs> uh, that's superstar netballer Kim Revellian, who the same night that the Lions uh, and the Dogs were playing out a thriller, she was being crowned uh, the Queensland Firebirds uh, MVP for this year's Super Netball season. Um, she's been up there for 18 months or so with their daughter as well. Um, a lot of people really up in arms about one bad game from Adam Trelaw. Maybe one of the bigger overreactions I've seen uh, in footy this year. He had one bad game and geez, maybe it's because he was in the same city that his wife was in and still wasn't able to see her given the lockdown was. I think they've done a pretty bloody good job given this year was probably even harder than they realised it was going to be uh, given the changes that have occurred in the COVID world. So Gary Lyon today saying he expects Adam Trelaw to bounce back. Jack McRae saying the same thing. Uh, couldn't agree more. The week before, he was phenomenal in the second half with 18 disposals. He's had a bad game on the weekend. All it'll take is one more and for people to go, mm, geez, maybe we just jumped a little bit too much at that. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 736 Dean's in Burwood. G'day, Dean. G'day, how you going, Sam? Um, Good, mate. Well, the has come back from injury, so I think they're a bit tough on him. He's just had a massive, he's missed about eight games in a row, so he's total have a bad game, but anyway, that's, that's the people for you. I want to talk about the contracts. Now, contracts, you sign a contract, you should be obligated to um, start a journey of the contract. Joe Danaher, he's the same, pulls out a contract halfway through. You know, you take the big bucks, uh, you all front end the contracts in the last couple of years when it's, you're not getting the big cash, you want to go to another club. I, I think the club should stick to uh, the contracts of contracts. Myself, anyway. He, he, he wasn't forced to sign it, um, and uh, now he wants to get out of it. I, I, I don't get it. Yeah, I mean, Dean, I, I totally, um, I, I don't agree, but I, I respect that view. And, and you're right, in the cold light of day, concept, contract's a contract and you should stick with it. Um, I think that's a really black and white way of looking at it. Um, and it, and we don't seem to care too much when a club goes, you know what, you're a bit surplus to what we need and what we're about now, so we're going to try and find a way to give you the flick, sort of like what Collingwood did with Adam Trelaw. Um, do you think that they were in their rights to do that, Dean? No, they weren't, no. But no. Um, Collingwood made a mistake, but the problem with Collingwood, they couldn't afford to keep him because they were $1.8 million over the salary cap. So they would have got but that's not his fault. salary cap breaches. So, 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 yeah, so, so their circumstances changed and they said, well, this is what we've got to do. Lockie's circumstances have changed there. And, and I'm, I understand that Brisbane have got every right to say we've got to enforce his contract because we're, we're left far too short if we don't. Um, but that's not the kind of club they are. They'll explore it and give it the best chance of helping him do what he needs to do if that's what they decide to do. Um, and they might get to the point and say, look, we just can't swing it. Um, but I just don't think that people see it as cut and dried. Some clubs don't see it as cut and dried of that, and they've got a little bit more empathy, Dean, with um, the people's changing circumstances uh, in life. Um, but, look, I just could be a little bit soft uh, at the same time. But... Yeah, I hear what you're saying, though. I, I get that and I understand it. And I think that there are times when players just want to get out of a contract because they see greener pastures. 
So I, I, in those circumstances, I, I do agree with you, but I don't think this is that same circumstance. But in a lot of situations, what you're saying is the line that should be taken. I'm not sure if this is one of them, though. Hey, Ray's in St Kilda. Ray, I'm so sorry. I've got 10 seconds left before I've got a hand to the driver's seat. Give me a call tomorrow about the academies and why they are important to maybe stopping situations like this. I'm sorry, mate, that we've run out of time, but I'll get you tomorrow night. Driver's seat up next. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.